truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Totters and Aaron McIntyre here with us. We have a fourth person with us in this first hour as well. He is the editor over at The Daily Wire. Josh Hammer will be saying hello to him in just a matter of moments as he joins us this week for the Dace Group. 888-900-3393. That's the number here to The Blaze. 888-900-3393. We're not taking your calls right now, but every now and then, if one of you wouldn't mind just calling that number to make sure they're still awake down there in Dallas, we would be appreciative. You can also like us on Facebook, but I have to warn you, Facebook doesn't like us. I believe we have added exactly 57 likes in two and a half years, but keep trying. Maybe one of these days they might count it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. For those of you listening today via the podcast, and if you are, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would be very appreciative. Now, if you don't like the show, we'd never ask you to lie. But if you just kind of like it, we would, we would ask you to embellish that all the more. Maybe if you're, you think it's a three-star show, you know what? Just uh, bite the bullet and give us five stars because the more of those we get, the more the all-powerful algorithms will help us find more people like you. And then the more likely it is we get to continue to keep these phony baloney jobs because if it's, if, if it's not this, it's food stamps. I mean, if you're on this, if you watch and listen to the show on a daily basis, you know there's really not a plan B here if this doesn't work out. We mentioned how you can get a hold of this program. Feedback Friday is how we'll respond to your responses to us coming up in hour number two. But before we look back at what you guys have to say, first we look at back at the week that was. It's time for the day's group. Yes, the logo and music's familiar because we totally ripped it off from the McLaughlin group, including the format, like everything. There's not a single original part of this segment you are about to watch, but John McLaughlin is dead now, so I don't think he'll mind. Let's get to issue one, Bleep Democrats Say. Clinton is suggesting that Russians are grooming a 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful. I'm not making any predictions, but I think they've got their eye on somebody who's currently in the Democratic (laughs) primary and are grooming her to be the third party candidate. She's the favorite of the Russians. They have a bunch of sites and bots and other ways of supporting her so far. President Trump, perhaps inspired by Goebbels and the propagandists of the Third Reich, seem to employ this tactic that the bigger the lie, the more obscene the injustice, uh, the more dizzying the pace of this bizarre behavior, the less likely we are to be able to do something about it. Now some criticism, not just from Republicans, but Democrats as well, for your criticism of the president comparing him uh, to Nazis and Goebbels and Hitler. Find me a better analogy. The gall of Donald Trump to refer to a process that is holding him accountable to our democracy and justice, um, the gall to, to, to suggest that he is experiencing a lynching. To reference lynching is to play fast and loose with our dead. Mm. Mr. Zuckerberg, is it true that the overwhelming majority of persons associated with this endeavor are white men? We're not looking for an antagonistic uh, relationship at all. 
uh, we're not, we're not, we don't set out to be uh, pro-Trump. We don't set out to be anti-Trump. I'm just glad to see that the process is beginning to really um, do the investigation into Rudy Giuliani. He has clearly broken many laws. What, what, are, are there specific laws you believe Giuliani has broken or may have broken? Is there one or two really good anchors at that organization? Sure. Uh, but that doesn't make it a news organization. And it doesn't, make it, it, a, it doesn't make it a journalistic enterprise. Listen, it's, you know, I, I, I've said before, it's, uh, it, it's, it's akin to state-run TV. I think it's morphed into conspiracy TV. And, um, and it, it's, it's not a place where somebody like Chef Smith could work. And under my plan, if you negotiated an agreement for health care with your, with your employer, union or otherwise, and you like it, because you've given up wages to get it, you can keep it. We should get rid of these detention facilities. We don't need them. We're talking about China. I said China's not our fault. Right, because Lindsey Graham isn't just a piece of shit now. He's Lindsay, been that piece of shit. Lindsey Graham. Yeah. I said it. I said it. Yeah. Damn yeah. it. Finally. Yeah. He was He's a piece of shit. You just ran into two people from New York, kiddo, and we're not putting up with your Republican bullshit. In fairness, the clip about Lindsey Graham is true. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Uh, first question. What's the most depraved total depravity of the week? And Josh, as our guest this week, you get to go first. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, so, you know, quite a quite a clip we had just there. But I guess my most depraved moment of the week, Steve, is actually something that didn't even come up, which is the way that many forces on the left have seemingly come to the defense of what's happening here in Texas with respect to the situation for this poor seven-year-old James Younger. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how we reached a point in society, Steve, where opposing a jury allowing a parent to chemically castrate her troubled underage son is not common sense and logic and reason and nature, but is now like far right extremist social conservatism. It, it, it's just dramatically troubling. And you know, before we went live here, Todd and I were talking a little bit about the predictive power of, of social conservatism going back 40, 50 years. You know, I remember my first year of law school at the University of Chicago, they taught us that the so-called slippery slope theorizing is a, quote, logical fallacy. Except it's but, the most undefeated argument in the history of the human species, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly right. And yeah. uh, Ross Duthad, the New York Times, had an amazing blog post in April 2015 talking about this predictive power of the social conservative model. It is not a slippery slope. This stuff really happens. And mm -hmm. what's happening here in Texas is just, it's, it's so troubling, Steve. It's horrible. We are going to come back to that in issue two. Okay, for sure. But Todd, your favorite uh, ride on the crazy train oh, this week. I need to do a little resettling. I haven't pulled this out in a while. It needs to happen, though, because Zucker was Obama cool right there. You know? <laughs> he first, he's like, yeah, well, no, we're... We're not anti-Trump. What? No, not us. Who? What? Where? I know a tape came out this week no. pointing this out is... that I was telling you to be anti-Trump, but we're not anti-Trump at all. And did, no. did you see how he's so casual? He had his legs crossed, but he's sitting back. He's got the open-collar yeah. shirt with, with the one button down too far, which tells that the whole thing is oh, contrived, yeah. right? Because either Because either, either, either he's, he's an extra in the remake of Saturday Night Fever or he's trying too hard. One of the two, right? And then Aaron went to something else, comes back to Zucker talking about Fox. Oh, well, of course, that's not a serious news outlet. They're just a propaganda machine. Just no Chip Smith couldn't work yeah. in a place like that, even though he did for 23 years. 
No. For 23 years, he worked there. Yes. And he, he Zucker, which one does he run? Which, CNN. Yes. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, over, and, and Josh and I were also talking about this. Meanwhile, over on CBS, you know, they're ta- today we open up the uh, newspaper and we find out that uh, the uh, the stigma of thruppling. But how, how should we handle that? You, you, Zucker, you really want us to believe you're on the ball? You got this thing all under control? You're not biased? You're, t- you're just sitting back like this. That you, it, 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 None of it matters. You don't feel you're on point. It doesn't matter how bad you screw up. You, the fact that you mentioned that in this segment, we we talked about Goebbels. That's Goebbels right there. And it's casual as hell. And they apologize for none of it ever, even when they do apologize. When they do apologize, that's just temporary damage control. And they're moving on and they're sitting at home just like this. Yeah, when they do apologize, it's uh, more along the lines of, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yes, I'm sorry if I upset you. I'm sorry if this punch hurt. <laughs> yes. That's what I love about the Kamala Harris clip so much, all right, is that it came from CNN of all places. And the longer version of that clip where um, she doesn't have an answer and, and and she goes on and gives some kind of, well, there's just so many of them is what she tries we'll to say. We'll find out, yeah. Yeah, and, and Anderson Cooper, you see him look off camera. And I'm just telling you, I do this for a living. I'll tell you what that means. Somebody is off camera, some kind of producer, giving a motion or something like this, that, 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 that whatever their signal is for follow-up press. That's what's happening, all right? And, and so he asks her again, hey, we've set the ball on the tee for you. You know, we, we're, 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 speaking of state-run TV, we're here doing you guys' talking points every night here, uh, going, uh, doing a 360, like Linda Blair's head, uh, doing you guys' talking points every night. So if you could just please, if you wouldn't mind, uh, giving uh, the, uh, the folks who uh, watch this uh, pitiful program each evening, if you wouldn't mind just giving us one specific so we can go out there and own the cons, we would greatly appreciate it. I mean, that's what he's trying to do. And then, and then she's like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, is that is that chocolate, vanilla, or strawberry, Beavis? Right. I, I love, I love that clip because of everything you just said about Jeffrey Zucker. I love that clip, Aaron. That was going to be my favorite one. I'll tell you what else, but I, I just want to say this on Kamala Harris, and I'm not lying here. I I was like 92 percent sure that after that. You know, after she was after she was asked, you know, what specific laws Giuliani broke, I was 92 percent sure that she was going to say, well, we have to put him in jail to find out why he's going to jail. I, I, I was dead serious. I thought that that was going to be what was coming next. My favorite, though, of the week is, is we started out the week talking about how a better O'Rourke, when asked about his criticism or, you know, responding to criticism of him uh, comparing Trump to Goebbels and uh, the Third Reich. Um, when he said, find me a better analogy, I think it was like the next day. It was like, oh, we can't talk about lynching. We can't. I mean, the whole thing is theater. The whole thing is a show. It's it's such a sham. It's so stupid. But that turn just within 24 hours, that is so emblematic of what we put up with every. And I'm not talking about us, you know, here on the show. I'm I'm talking about you and the audience. You, You see this as well. And that's part of the thing that just drives you nuts about the entire system, I would bet, is that there is so little self-awareness. There is so little just uh, responsibility, accountability, and then the people you choose to put up as human shields, namely the Republicans, uh, they do very little to actually combat uh, combat this type of poop. And I, I really think that's emblematic of one of, one of the most 
at the very least, exhausting things about politics and society at this time. And then you have Joe Biden. This is the second time he's done this, by the way. He has busted out with, if you like your current plan, you can keep it. Okay. Which was such an egregious lie. Even PolitiFact had to admit it. All right. So, uh, and, and again, I've talked about this the last couple of weeks. If you watch that clip, if you, if you, if you like your current plan, he can't do the job folks. Okay. All right. And it doesn't mean he's a terrible person. It just means he's like most 80 year old people. Okay. All right. We've, 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 we've flown the coop here. It's painful to watch this. He cannot do the job. If I am Trump 2020, I'm actually hoping he's their nominee because he won't pass the first most obvious test of of a presidential candidate. I have to see you as the president of the United States. And people aren't going to see that. They're just not. 100 million people, you put that on a debate stage in front of 100 million people one year from now, and they're going to revolt against that. And that's the other reason why I, we don't, I don't know why we do so many national polls other than we just want talking points. We don't have a national presidential primary. We have a state-by-state primary. And so your opinion of the Democratic field, if you live in California or Texas where Josh lives, with all due respect to the wonderful people in every state, it's irrelevant. Most of the people you're being asked about won't even be in the race when the process gets to you. The only places where opinions matter right now are Iowa, New Hampshire, and to a lesser degree, South Carolina. But, and I say to a lesser degree, South Carolina, because several of the candidates you're being asked about in South Carolina won't be there when we get to South Carolina either. Those are really the only opinions that matter. Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T-level and 10 being as vigorous as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism, rate this week's level of bleep, Aaron. This was pretty tame compared to the last couple of weeks. I'm going to give it a six. That's the tough thing is in which context, how do we judge this, right? As yeah. a stand, because it, 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 as a historical standalone, it's nuts every week. It's a 10 every single week, every week. But compared to some of the stuff we've watched in the last couple of weeks, I mean, last week broke me, The last week's montage. Todd, what do you think? See, I can't go lower. I think it's malfeasance to go lower than eight. You can't give people the illusion like things are getting better. They're not. It's, that, it's, a, yes. it's at least an eight. That's a good point. Yes. Keep the pessimism alive. Keep pessimism alive, as Jesse Jackson once preached. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I'll split the baby and go with the seven there, I guess. I mean, compared to what Beto's been talking about, it's it's not a full 10 just by definition of what we have to compare it to, I guess. Let's get to issue two. Texas, man. Texas. The story of seven-year-old James Younger exploded onto the national scene this week as a jury in Texas ruled that his mother would retain custody of him and his brother. Central to that case was the revelation that his mother intends to follow through with so-called gender transition therapy, including the ingestion of female hormones. James's father, Jeff Younger, sought court help to retain full custody of James in order to shield him from his mother's plans. According to the Texan, James's mother had already started referring to the boy as Luna, despite James's first choice of Starfire, a female character from a superhero cartoon, as his female name. On Wednesday, video surfaced of James talking to his father about what his mother does to him. I'm a girl. Who told you you're a girl? Mommy. <clears throat> when did she tell you you were a girl? Because I love girls. Oh, I see. So mommy told you you were a girl? Uh-huh. Does she do anything with your fingers? Yeah. 
What? She paints my nails. So that why does she do that? Because I love like nail polish. Oh, do you think you're a girl? Uh huh. You do. Is that why you wear this so that you can have long hair? Mm -hmm. Okay. On Wednesday night, Texas Governor Greg Abbott tweeted that Texas Child Protective Services were aware of the case and that his attorney general was investigating. On Thursday, in a separate case strictly unrelated to custody and solely related to the gender transition question, a judge ruled that Jeff Younger would have a say in whether his son James will indeed be essentially chemically castrated per his mother's wishes. So to sum it all up, a seven-year-old boy from Texas needed a large amount of public outcry and a court to rule that his mother can't castrate him. Texas, man. Texas. So this, this should be very simple. You cannot enter into a contract with a child. You cannot have sex with a child. You cannot put a child behind the wheel of an operating motor vehicle. You cannot give a cigarette to a child. You can't give a beer to a child. And you therefore cannot castrate or mutilate a child. Period. Anything other than that ought to be a national law everywhere. Everywhere, unconditionally law. And you are a criminal if you disobey it. That's not my first question. That's my bottom line. Period. Todd, you may take it from here. Well, I, I, I'm going to respond with what's ultimately a question to you and Josh. So you write, you're kind of an expert at uh, political uh, messaging and have done so with campaigns. And you just laid out one. Uh, you don't even need to go further than what you just did. That was just a start for you. Then, Josh, we have you the, the, uh, the legal uh, finer points of all of it, how you could flesh that out. In your question, you talked about the uh, legislature down there in Texas. It, it, I don't see a good reason to why it, you talk about why uh, you're tired of Congress because of all their preposterous show votes. But in the past, you've talked about the time to do mm -hmm. a show vote. Mm -hmm. If not this time, at the very least, when you put everybody on the record, yeah. everybody about why they would not find this acceptable. And this goes national. And you make, it's not just about, yeah, Texas, man, Texas. But if Texas wants to be bigger than everything, as, as the cliche goes, make it bigger. Make everybody across this nation defend this mon Frankenstein monster monstrosity. Why on earth is not the legislature down there doing this right now? I'll let Josh tackle the legal side of it. On a, on politically, though, it's malpractice, and yes, you're correct. It is. From an opportunity cost standpoint, you know, we're already dancing around the subject of why Pete Buttigieg can't get black voters, right? Well, we don't dance around the subject on this show. I've done, I've, I'm probably one of the few people in this business in, in conservative media who's actively attempted to organize and mobilize black voters for conservative causes. So I have a little bit of experience with this. That's why I'm not surprised that he can't get, that he can't get black voters because if you look at a state like Maryland in the 2012 presidential election, Mitt Romney lost that state decisively. We had a marriage amendment on the ballot in that state. It outperformed Mitt Romney by 10 points. Why? Because it wasn't because a bunch of white people went and voted for Barack Obama and then voted for marriage. No, because a bunch of black people did. And if so, you know, if we're, if we're going to boil this whole thing down to demographics, if you think black America is and brown America ain't up, ain't down with the rainbow jihad on, a, on the marriage issue, what do you think? Where do you think they're at 
on castrating seven-year-old boys. Where do you think they might be on that? Oh, I want to know. In places like Cleveland, Ohio, and Cincinnati, Ohio, and Charlotte, North Carolina, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Detroit, and Flint, Michigan. Where if walk in, walk into a black church, any any black church in Detroit that's got a favorable picture of Barack Obama somewhere in the sanctuary, and just ask every last person walking out of there, hey, what do you think about castrating seven-year-old boys so they become girls? And they're gonna you're gonna get, oh hell no. They're going to look at you like, what you talking about, Willis? That is not flying anywhere, no how, nowhere. And Rick, Rick Perry, just a decade ago, was talking about things are getting so crazy, we might need to secede from the union, and we can't even get the legislature rallying around this? I don't think Texas may be Texas anymore. Somebody needs to take their 10-gallon hat from them, and they're, if, unless they're willing to go Yosemite Sam on this one. It is time. Josh, what do you think from a legal perspective? Yeah. Wow. So, so much to unpack there, obviously. I mean, first of all, Steve, I could not agree with you more. It is completely political malpractice for the Republican Party to not make an issue of this. My, my colleague at the Daily Wire, Matt Walsh, has been kind of preaching this pretty hard all week, and I think Matt is completely right to do so. But just more generally, before we're talking about the legal aspect of it, every so often, Steve, I think we have, as a culture, kind of a civilizational wake-up call. I, I kind of felt this way, actually. During, I think a lot of conservatives did during the whole Kavanaugh nomination controversy. When the left decided during the Kavanaugh nomination controversy to effectively throw out four to 5,000 years of innocent or proven guilty civilizational norms, I think a lot of people were kind of shocked into, into reality in terms of what we're facing. And I, I, I really hope that the median American who has some semblance of common sense, who perhaps goes you know, to church a couple times a month, is just kind of shocked into reality by what is happening here in this just truly horrific case. From a legal perspective, this is mostly obviously a state issue, okay? Like, it's pretty clearly a state issue. There's not a whole lot the federal government can do. I, I, I respect the people who are calling for the Senate to Mitch McConnell to hold some sort of votes. I, I, constitutionally speaking, I'm not really sure exactly what he could do, frankly. I mean, maybe there's some sort of constitutionally permissible defunding mechanism to defund jurisdictions that permit this to go forward, but that's pretty arcane and in the weeds. So it really is a state issue here. Now, in Texas, our state legislature meets for 180 days every two years. Now, the most recent session actually just ended in like June, I think it was, perhaps early July. So they're theoretically out until two years from now. Now, the governor or lieutenant governor can call a special session, of course. And the way that Governor Abbott was tweeting this week, it seems like that's a possibility. But, I, you know, Steve, I had one friend yesterday. Uh, I won't reveal his identity, but he's a first-year law student in a very good law school. And he texted me, he said, why is Abbott not doing anything unilaterally? And I said, well, it's probably a legislative issue. And he said, but so what? Just do the executive order, ban this, yep. wait for the courts to issue an injunction, and then just let it play out from there. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sympathetic to that, honestly. So Yeah, I, I think we have to, here's the, here's the fight that we have on the right, Josh, legally. Now, I'm not nearly qualified as you are, having you know worked in the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals and law school and everything else, but I've debated in my political career quite a lot of lawyers and was a part of the only successful ouster effort of state Supreme Court judges in American history. And at, at some point, we're going to have to give up this, and I know you don't sign on to this, by the way, so I'm not trying to corner you, but we have this canard on the right, which is they get to do whatever the hell they want to the Constitution and the rule of law. And unless we follow some precise, uh, starry, decisis, um, seventh ring of codicil hell uh, process and undoing it, well, we're making it worse. Hell no. 
No. If, if I, you, can, you can take your system, systems and everything else. We're not, if, if your system can't instantly react to the castration of a seven-year-old boy, it's not a justice system. It's just a system. And it ought to be flushed down a toilet. Uh, and, and that's how we, and that's where posses get formed. When your legal system can't do something about my seven-year-old boy is going to get castrated. Aaron, your thoughts? So I know we have short memories quite a bit. This is not an outlier story. It is not an outlier story whatsoever. Let me take you back to uh, the end of July of this year, of this year, when Mario Lopez went on Mm -hmm. Candace Owens' show and said, quote, my God, if you're three years old and you're saying you're feeling a certain way and think you're a boy or a girl or whatever the case may be, I think it's dangerous as a parent to make that determination. He was nearly canceled for that comment until he apologized. This is not an outlier, which is why that tweet the other night, and I don't mean to pee on on the Cheerios here, and and why why the decision yesterday by the judge, that just doesn't cut it for me. I'm along the lines of, until there's actually action, enough with the effing tweets. This goes down from the president all the way down to uh, Greg Abbott in Texas. I'm done with the tweets. Those are super nice, super happy fun times on Twitter. I'm done with that. Until I see actual action, I'm not going to take any of these. Well, we're looking into this. Uh, I've got my attorney general investigating. Guys, this is pretty clear cut. The guy wanted custody of his kids to protect his kids from the mother who wants to castrate, abuse, uh, permanently damage a child. And we can't get instant action. Yeah, it's yeah. like what yep. you, like you just said. Yep. If a system that doesn't react to the castration of a seven-year-old boy, it's not a justice system. It's just, it's just a bureaucracy that takes up space for kicks and giggles until something actually changes. In the ruling yesterday, he has to say, well, I don't know what the hell that means. The, the father has a say in what the heck does that no, mean? No, I want to hear he the governor of Texas tweet over my dead body. Are we castrating seven-year-old boys here? And I'm going to move heaven and earth with my executive power. This this damnable act is not going to occur as long as I'm the governor of this state, I assure you. That's what I want to hear. That'll preach. Okay? Exit question. Do you believe the mother will get her way and this boy will eventually be castrated, Aaron? Of course. Todd? I think there might be too much heat around this particular case so i'm going to say with this no but because of what aaron said this does not protect any other child anywhere josh i think the mother will not get her way i think the the median texan is still completely outraged about this and what todd said there's enough backlash that abbott or lieutenant governor patrick they'll find some way to stop this i think i think that's true now with the with this case what that means with cases going forward depends on what actions we follow up with legislatively from this point forward. Yep. So um, when you have stories like this, keep in mind, and Aaron mentioned, you know, Mario Lopez was nearly canceled from his show. That is another reminder, corporate America. And for those of you that are my age or older, this is a difficult paradigm shift you have to make. You grew up in the era of Lee Iacocca and Ronald Reagan, you know, singing Kumbaya with each other and corporate America funded your local family policy center and pro-life group. no, it doesn't work that way anymore. And, and then they, at first they went from being our friends because they thought the enemy of my enemy with the Democrats, it was, was, we were their friend. Then they went to neutral. Now you've had a progressive changeover generationally. 
most of corporate America is aggressively funding, advocating for causes like the castration of this young boy. They're just, they're, they're down with it. They're all in on, on the new uh, paganism. That's why when you have a shot to do business with people who share your values, I'm not saying take a substandard product, but if it was, it's going to be basically the same product you get anyway, and it's somebody who's going to use the money you give them to promote causes and values you agree with, go with that one instead. And that's Patriot Mobile if you're a mobile phone user, the only veteran-led conservative mobile phone company. They have donated millions of dollars out of their own profits to various conservative causes in the last few years. And it's just as low as $25 a month right now to make the switch. So why wait? In fact, I'll give you a promo code BLAZE. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. You'll get free activation on up to two lines. So plans as low as $25 a month and free activation on up to two lines when you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. Again, go online right now. Take advantage of this offer. And they got lots of other cool offers as well. All the same nationwide coverage you get from the big wigs, just none of the none of the crazy that goes along with it politically. All right? PatriotMobile.com slash Blaze. All right, when we come back here for the second part of uh, this week's uh, Week in Review, the Days Group, we're going to look at the impeachment issue. And I went on a bit of a rant about this earlier this week because I think the White House and its team, and they continue to make this mistake. They are treating this as primarily a legal construct, yet it's a political one. And I'll be fascinated to get to Josh's perspective on that as a guy whose legal expertise and experience uh, laps the field here on the rest of the panel multiple times over. Uh, and then we'll have predictions and more when we come back here. Part two of the Dace Group Roundtable, live and on demand on The Blaze. Next. All right, back here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, fourth member of our Dace Group panel this week, Josh Hammer, editor-at-large over at the Daily Wire. Uh, real quick, gentlemen, I just got an email from uh, somebody uh, over at Seton Hall University uh, sent this over to me because they had noticed I'd been talking about this issue here at the Blaze, the, uh, the LeBron James, uh, China, Daryl Morey, Houston Rockets issue. Well, Seton Hall University just conducted a, a poll of sports fans across the country on this controversy. And I think it goes to what, what Josh was talking about, the middling American. Was that the term that you used a few minutes ago, Josh? Was that it? Uh, medium American. The medium American. Thank you. Okay. Um, listen to these numbers. Um, only 9% of the people in the Seton Hall poll uh, thought that uh, the Houston Rockets should fire Daryl Morey for his comments in defense of uh, democracy, free speech, and the protest in Hong Kong. 77% said that the um, uh, the owner of the Houston Rockets should keep and defend Daryl Morey and his right to, to free speech. Furthermore, by a margin of 52 to 28, respondents said that they found LeBron James much pilloried, parodied thoughts from his brain uh, from last week where he was ripping uh, Daryl Morey were not sincere and completely out of self-interest. And this goes to what we saw in Iowa a couple of weeks ago with, um, uh, who's the young man I'm thinking of that had the, the, the oh, beer the fundraiser beer for yeah. the sick kids at the University of Iowa, right? There, there, this, and you mentioned Matt Walsh. The truth of the matter is, I, I don't know, 
I don't know that this the the heat from this issue gets generated without Matt adding his voice to it. I was, for example, I was aware of the case in Texas. We get, I get bombarded with so many of these things every day, though. It, they come at you so fast and furious. It's hard for me to just zero in on one of them. And Matt's constant focus on this, I know I'm, I'm not alone, I got my focus on this and realizing what this particular moment meant as well. And so it just goes to show when we can create flashpoints like this, there are a lot of Americans who still may not agree with us on, you know, whether we ought to privatize Medicare or what the top marginal tax rate should be, et cetera, that think this stuff is insane. The, the yes. challenge we have is twofold. One, there's so much insanity. It is hard for us to zero in on any particular flashpoint. We're getting blitzkrieg with this stuff all the time. But then the other challenge for us also is... Um, getting this out in the open so that we can reach those kinds of people. And that's, that's where our business models, frankly, come into play. What, what is the temptation for us to just exchange 20 year old lynching clips with the liberal media? Tell me if, tell me how that's going to save any little boys like that seven year old boy in Texas. Right. But it generates a lot of revenue for us to stay in business to someday help and be in position to help a young boy like that seven-year-old boy down in Texas. And this is the difficulty that we have, uh, you know, trying to balance what is the interest of our bottom lines with what's the actual interest of the very principles that we are, are trying to, uh, we're, we're trying to stand for and conserve. Just a little side note there. Let's get to issue three, impeachment. It appears some Republicans are starting to lay the groundwork for washing their hands of Donald Trump. In an interview with Axios, which was recorded last Tuesday but didn't air until over the weekend, Senator Lindsey Graham said, Are you open-minded if more comes out that you could support impeachment? Sure. I mean, I mean, I, show me something that, that, that is a crime. If you could show me that, you know, Trump actually was engaging in a quid pro quo outside the phone call. That would be very disturbing. A few days after that interview was recorded, Trump cabinet member Mick Mulvaney said this about the alleged quid pro quo between the Trump administration and Ukraine for dirt on the Bidens. We knew that that money either had to go out the door by the end of September or we had to have a really, really good reason not to do it. And that was the legality of the issue. But to be clear, what you just described is a quid pro quo. It is funding will not flow unless the investigation into the into the Democratic server uh, happened as well. We, we, do, we do that all the time. Then this week, Senator Mitch McConnell threw Donald Trump under the bus by contradicting Trump's earlier claim that he had spoken with the Senate Majority Leader about the now infamous phone call between himself and the president of Ukraine. The president has said that you told him that his phone call with the Ukrainian president was perfect and innocent. Do you believe that the president has handled uh, this Ukrainian situation? Uh, we've not had any conversations on that subject. So he was lying about that? <laughs> you have to ask him. I, I don't recall any conversations with the president about that phone call. So what is truth anyway? First question. Given their history of demonstrated hatred for their base, consistent betrayal of that base they hate, and then the knowledge that in the end they really won't be held accountable. Every, you know, a couple of them will go down, but but systemically, holistically, as a system, they won't be held accountable because in the end, but the Democrats will be made great again when the election comes around. True or false, given that backdrop and with what you just saw, true or false, the current odds Republican senators will vote to convict Donald Trump are much higher 
than what we're being led to believe or maybe even assume on our own. Aaron. It is true. And I think what we saw this week from the House of Representatives, and I know it's never four-dimensional chess. I don't think, I don't think this is four-dimensional chess, though. I, I think what we saw from House Republicans this week storming the secure room in the Capitol building, trying to disrupt the closed-door hearings for the uh, impeachment inquiry, I think that only adds more of a fig leaf for Republicans in the Senate if it comes to that, to say, hey, you know, Republicans, grand old party, Big Ten, we tried, but, you know, we just can't in good conscience you know, actually, actually keep this guy around. I, I think the more, I think the more we go along, the more time passes. I, again, I want to say with this thing, as opposed to the Russian collusion investigation and the special counsel, this is a much more simple, this is a much more simple allegation. It is much more easy to go a uh, up or down vote here on whether or not they and it can be you know you can look at this from any any uh, angle you wish and you can come to certain conclusions all that is to say it's just a lot easier for people in the senate if they want to to have some sort of fig leaf for saying you know what sorry sorry guys you know we just can't in good conscience do this this is really serious he's violating norms again and now he's va- breaking laws i just think that it is way too easy Unlike the Mueller probe where there was so much attention, it is just a whole lot easier if we get to the Senate with this impeachment uh, for senators, even Republican senators, to say, you know what, sorry, Uh, sorry, not sorry, see you later. And let me quantify higher. You may think there's zero when maybe they're 10. You may think it's 10 when maybe it's 25. All right. doesn't mean that that you think it's even a certainty, but it's certainly higher than zero. If you look at their history, if you look at the behavior this week, I think the way the White House is pursuing this politically, they're, they're trying to win a legal case when in this is not legal. It's political. They're going about it wrong. That was the clip that, that's gone viral that the Blaze has shared. I, I think he needs to attack the entire premise of this. I mean, we were, we, this country was founded by people who wanted to impeach presidents who gave your money. To countries like Ukraine, and now we're going to impeach presidents because they take it away. The whole damn thing is asinine. So if Joe Biden, if Joe Biden weren't, if Joe and Hunter Biden were corruptocrats, but Joe Biden wasn't running for president, it would be totally fine for 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 Donald Trump to engage the bureaucracy the previous president left behind him to ensure you know no no corruption with the Ukrainian funding. It'd be totally appropriate then for him to make sure we expose corruption. But since Joe Biden and is running for president, him and his sons alleged corruption is protected now and it cannot this is just it's an it the whole thing is a sham he ought to attack this entire thing from the from as the political sham it is and call their bluff and say just so you know when i get to my senate hearing everybody that went to epstein island i'm going to open my testimony up by reading the names of everybody who ever visited epstein island and yes senator that means you that's what i think he ought to do Okay, but but railing about never Trumpers, if he stays on the path, Josh, he's on right now. I really believe this. If he stays on the path, he's on right now. Mike Pence is going to be president by, say, Easter of next year. Wow. Wow. Well, I I guess I respectfully probably disagree with that. I mean, I do think the odds are higher than we're currently being led to believe that Senate Republicans will vote in mass to convict or remove him. But I'm not sure it's much higher. I, I currently... I was, I was doing this math yesterday. I saw fewer than 10 senators who I think are likely to vote to remove him. But he, look, the odds are certainly higher than zero. So to kind of go back to a previous segment, it, it very much depends on what our baseline is. But one thing, Steve, Lindsey Graham, uh, bless his heart, he's 
he's a lawyer by training, but he's wrong on what the constitutional criteria is for impeachment. He's talking about show me a crime. But the constitutional phrase high, pre, high crimes and misdemeanors actually had a lengthy history in the English common law. It was very well understood what the framers meant by this. And Alexander Hamilton in Federalist 65 lays it out quite clearly. It is defined as essentially the breach of the public trust mm -hmm. when the president loses the trust of the people that mm -hmm. he is sworn to protect. So what you're saying, Steve, is 100 percent right. And I actually wrote this at our side, The Daily Wire, just this week. Republicans are going on CNN, Fox News, talking about star chamber, like Soviet sham proceedings, like due process, fairness. That is not a winning message. They need to get to the crux of what you're saying, which is substantively, this is crazy. It is crazy to think of this as a reach of the public trust in the Hamiltonian sense of it. Josh, they, Medicare is a quid pro quo. If your state or my state doesn't abide by certain regulations, they don't get funding. What's that called? And what's that? What's the legal phrase for that, Josh? A quid pro quo. What, what exactly happens in politics ever, ever, in any language, any country, any custom ever that wasn't a quid pro quo? Do you know? I don't know of one. Everything's a quid pro quo, is it not? Yeah, I mean, look, I was saying to a friend recently, I would actually like to see more of this done in the context of foreign aid. I mean, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my it, point. It, we're the, yeah. we're not going to impeach the guy because he was going to take their money away. I don't understand and that's this a, whole argument. That's I don't understand. His, that's within his power. He's the chief exec. He's the commander yes. in chief. It's I don't even power. like this guy, but this argument is dumb. And the precedent that's being set here with this. Let me tell you what it's really about, Todd. You, you plebes dared to nominate somebody that we didn't approve of. That's, and, and, yes. and, and next time, next time when we do it with somebody who actually has a conscience that works most of the time, they'll do, if we it's like Kavanaugh all over again. If you set the precedent that they can do this to you every time you go, you color outside the, their lines, then they'll just do it every time. You'll say, okay, what if we get a left-handed guy? What if we get, what if we get a guy that goes to church or synagogue every weekend? What if we get a guy that knows nine languages? What if we get a guy that, it doesn't matter. You are not allowed to, to nominate someone and elect someone we don't approve of, and this is what we'll do to them in broad daylight. That's what I think is happening here. Yeah, and all of this is the reason why I don't think the odds are higher. The The precedent is dumb. Uh, Biden is uh, similarly uh, guilty of it. It comes on the heels of Russian collusion, which nobody believed anyway. And furthermore, I, I, I add on to what you just talked about with the data we just learned. It's not that that data should shift over, obviously, to voting for Trump. Everybody needs to vote their conscience on that. But if people generally are that hyped up about things like that and are paying attention, that energy has a high chance of shifting over when yes. you wanted to, to voting if trump wins it's because of that data yes. it does shift over to it yep. and i just don't believe that people are uh, a bunch of republicans in that environment are gonna vote to impeach uh donald trump because i don't think they got the balls i don't i guts. know they don't but he has to make that case agree if he's if, the, if this continues about what goes on in the in the basement of adam schiff's office the cockroaches love, love dank places. He's going to lose that argument. Exit question. If how much the White House can trust the GOP Senate, were one of the following synth pop song lyrics. Which synth pop song lyric from back in the day would it be? A, never again is what you swore the time before. Uh, Policy of Truth by Depeche Mode. B, dancing in the deepest oceans, twisting in the water, you're just like a dream. Just like heaven from the cure or C. But don't forget, it's me who puts you where you are now and I can put you back down to. Don't you want me by the human league? This is my favorite exit question we've ever had. 
Aaron, what's your answer? Oh, man. My heart says C, and that's what I'm going to go with. Todd. C, and I think Josh has concerns about this show right about now. <laughs> Josh, which one do you think it is? Uh, when I first heard this, C was my answer as well, Steve. So it's, it's unanimous. It's C, C across the board. Folks, it's A. Come on now. Never again is what you swore the time before. That's who these Senate Republicans are. See every issue we care about. Issue four, the rise of Skywalker. The final trailer for the final Star Wars film in the current saga timeline, The Rise of Skywalker, debuted this week. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. So there's a sample of the final trailer. Got to do this quick, gentlemen. If J.J. Abram called you and said, give me one thing that absolutely has to be in this movie, what would your suggestion be, Josh? Uh, I mean, is it too basic to say just don't make it suck? I mean, no, like, casino world. <laughs> I'll take it. Bye. <laughs> Todd is in. Is that your suggestion? Just don't make uh, it suck. No, Anakin slash Vader needs to be the point. This has to It can't just be some sort of, yeah, that wasn't really about that all along. That'll really drive me nuts. All right. Aaron, Snoke was a force projection of the Emperor all along. I think there needs to be some Return of the King, Golem, Schmeagol-like backstory to Snoke. All right, that, 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 and you can use it to amplify why the Emperor was the real villain the whole time. Fine. But you need to do that. And then I think there needs to be another, I, I was fine with the heroic moment for Luke Skywalker, but a lot of people weren't. And so there's, there's got to be another, there's got to be a make good in this movie, I think, uh, somewhere along those lines as well. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, you get to go, get to go first. Go ahead. So Todd and I's teams are facing off on Sunday Night Football, uh, the Chiefs versus the Packers. I think the Chiefs are going to come out with some things that uh, confuses the Packers' defense. They're going to get out to a 17 to nothing lead in the first half. The offense bogs down in the second half, and Green Bay wins 20 to 17. That is really hmm. specific. Yeah. Wow. All right, troubling. Todd. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, just, uh, said she's not running, uh, for Congress again. Uh, she, this has been a plan all along to just elevate her profile business or otherwise. And I think, I think the odds of her running as a third party candidate are now at 75%. Here's the thing. I, I don't think it hurts Democrats. I, I, I'm not abs- saying who it hurts. I just think yeah, she's I, doing I, it. I, I think if you're a Republican, you should not want that. Oh, remember how I said she's going to get more votes than Kasich. Yeah. I think it, Democrats don't vote, don't vote. Don't do protest votes because their party's too left. Correct. They don't do that. That's why that's why they're hurt by Green Party candidates like Jill Stein and and then who was the guy in two thousand, the former consumer watchdog guy whose name escapes Nader. me? Ralph Nader, thank you. Democrats are hurt by candidates like that that run really far left. Not by people that run up the middle. The people that run up the middle hurt the Republicans. Okay? I mean that do you know how many times David French is gonna vote for Tulsi Gabbard? A couple times. Okay, a couple times. All right. That that's 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 a that's not good for Donald Trump. Todd or, or Josh, what's your prediction? So I'm actually off to Alabama in a couple hours. I'm going to the game in Tuscaloosa tomorrow. The Tide are playing Arkansas. Yo. But a bit, bit of a prediction here, though. I hope uh, the, the Alabama fans don't hear this and hate me tomorrow when I'm at the game. But they're playing LSU at home in a couple weeks. And Nick Saban has a tremendous track record against his former school, LSU. 
I would be very, very worried, actually, about that game if I were an Alabama fan this year. I really, really, really like what I see from this LSU team, and it would not surprise me if they were actually a slight road favorite in that game in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, you're probably right. Although, if I'm Nick Saban, the, the first playoff rankings come out this week, and LSU, if they beat Auburn on Saturday, is going to be number one. And if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm Nick Saban, who is trying to contrive grievances, and I get, in, I get the chip of LSU comes into our place, number one, and they ain't ever won a damn thing or ever beat us, I'd love to have that, that rallying cry for sure. My prediction is, Jay, back to J.J. Abrams. They, they've been very secretive about this new gig that he has with Warner Brothers, and all they're saying is it's several picture developmental deal, and they're not offering a lot of specifics. They're also showing us nothing about the new Wonder Woman movie. They won't even tell us, you know, um, you know when we're going to get a trailer, uh, who some of the characters are. They're doing the same thing with the Suicide Squad movie. Um, uh, we, they won't even tell us if, if Henry Cavill is still Superman or not, because I think what this is going to turn out to be is J.J. Abrams is going to become the Kevin Feige of the DC Cinematic Universe. From your lips to God's ears. I think that's, what, that's what's going to happen next, is that's why they're being very secretive about what the future holds, what they're doing next. That's why they're, everything is so much on lockdown when they were letting you in on their whole train of thought before. Um, and I think that's why J.J. Abrams went there, is I think he's going to take over that division of Warner Brothers. That's my prediction. Hey, Josh, good to see you again, man. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thanks. You bet. We'll come back. Get to your feedback here on a Feedback Friday with Hour 2 next live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Stay tuned. And we're back with our number two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace, Todd and Aaron McIntyre. I want to again thank Josh Hammer, editor-at-large from The Daily Wire, for joining us this week for The Dace Group. We'll definitely have Josh back sometime. This part of the show brought to you by RidUZone, which knows that it can be difficult when you have uh, been not watching what you have been eating and how much for so long to suddenly get your body to go along with your desire to cut back and get healthier and lose weight. And the reason is simple. Your body was made to crave and conserve calories. That's how it was made. So what do you do now that you want to, and you need to cut back on those calories? Well, thankfully your creator put this little molecule in your body. It's called OEA. It's got a fancier name than that, but that's the abbreviation we're going with. So I don't have to worry about pronouncing the harder one. And all OEA does is it's like this molecule is the signal that lets the brain know when you're full. Okay. But it's a little bit like when you haven't worked out in a long time and those muscles lose their muscle memory. Same thing happens too when you've been bypassing that signal and overeating anyway. Kind of hard to just suddenly go back to it. And that's where Riduzone comes in. All it does is promote more OEA in the body by putting more OEA in your body. That's it. That's why it's FDA accepted, vegan-friendly, gluten-free. This is not loaded with chemicals or stimulants or caffeine or supplements or um, additives, preservatives, none of that stuff. No filler either. It's just OEA. That's all that it is. If you want to give this a shot and see if this might be what can help you get control over your portion sizes and cravings, go to the website, riduzone.com. They'll offer you 30% off a three-month supply. Why three months? Because it takes about 90 days for something in the subconscious to become habit-forming. All right, so that's where we get the three months from. 30% off a three-month supply if you use my name, Steve, as the promo code at riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. We were just sitting here talking during the break 
And you look at the timetable that we are being told for this impeachment thing. So we're looking at a vote. The, the word is the, the vote's coming sometime around Christmas. And then they would go home. Uh, and, and which means sometime in January, they, the Senate would be handed this hot potato to run with it. You know, if you look at the timetable here, guess what the phrase, beware the Ides of March, does that have any historical significance to you? Yes, of course. This, this, I mean, if you look at the timetable of this, this vote would take place probably sometime around there. If, if, if the timetable that is being reported in the media, and well... Do you really believe? Let's put a huge uh, asterisk around that, okay? But if that timetable is how this proceeds, it would be somewhere around the middle of March, probably, that you would get a vote. I'm just saying, beware the Ides of March. I'll, 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 here's how much I believe this, because that, that's what you're going to ask me, right? Do I really believe this? Do I really believe they would do this? Well, give the give this country before this election a Christmas present. Like this? Hey, Merry Christmas. Oh, do I think Democrats would do this? Yeah. yeah because they did this uh, 10 years ago with Obamacare. It was literally the last day before Christmas recess at like two in the morning, Todd. I'm not making that up. No, no. That's, that's, when, they, uh, that's, when, they, that's when they approved Obamacare. That's when they got it done. So yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and these are people, and both parties do this too. You know what I mean? Remember when the Republicans were going to make everything transparent? We weren't going to, remember the Republicans promised we're not going to vote on any more of these uh, massive omni spending bills, right? Omnibus bills? That, that's all we vote on now. Okay? So what have, what have you heard me say for years, brother? Bad Republicans always lead to what? Worse Democrats. And so if the Republicans aren't going aren't to, you know, be good stewards when they're in power, Democrats are going to be like, well, that's the baseline of depravity we begin the next session from, and we just work our way down further into the next ring of hell from there. So if, if you, look at, you look at the timing of when a vote would take place, it would, be the, it would be the middle of March on the current timetable we're being told. Now, I'll, I'll, how much do I believe that this is a real possibility? I was texting yesterday with somebody who's very, uh, how do I put this? Very close, very close to the Trump White House. And I'll leave it at that. And he said to me, these Senate Republicans are useless. I wrote back to him, not useless, treacherous. Not useless, treacherous. These people cannot be trusted. Some of their treachery is a lack of, of uh, manly parts. Some of their treachery is Faustian like McConnell's. Some of their treachery is they don't really have a North Star. And so they just get caught up in the culture of the chamber and who's in power and what's expected of them. And they're like most kids in high school. They just want to belong and go along with it. Because that's the way the prevailing wind blows today. But whatever the motivation of the treachery, the outcome is the same nonetheless. 
And I don't know how anybody can watch all the fake votes they took on repealing Obamacare for so many years, all the fake votes they've taken on defunding Planned Parenthood for so many years, all the fake votes they've taken on securing the border for so many years. I don't know how anybody can watch all of that and believe that they are afraid of their base. They're not. Now, they can be made afraid of their base because we have a precedent for that too. And we saw that with Merrick Garland when Antonin Scalia died. Because the number one driving force that brings their base out into the polls is, ju is judicial nominations. It's number one. Because that ties into the religious freedom issue, the pro-life issue, lots of other issues the base cares about. Judicial nominations are the, are the flashpoint, the tip of the sphere for lots of different issues. That's where harmonically there's a convergence of lots of issues you care about when it comes down to judicial nominations because Sonia Sotomayor was right when she said federal appeals courts are where law gets made today. Now that's total banana republic crap, but it's the truth as well. So they had to stand up to Obama there because if they had seated an Obama appointee judge in Antonin Scalia's seat, that would have, because that would blow up the whole lie that you give yourself permission to keep voting for these fools for. So they, they had, they needed a, they had to apply a fig leaf there, a steel titanium one. They had to, they had no choice that they, that was their level of survival. So they can be made to fear you that proved it, but you're going to have to make them fear you. You're going to have to do it. Do not trust that they intrinsically fear you because they realize that yes, you'll call shows like this and you'll lose your damn minds on social media. And then a week or two later, they'll send Mike Pence some bill that makes him look good. Or they don't even have to do that, man. Elizabeth Warren will just speak. <laughs> All right. <laughs> tell the truth. Tell you what she really believes. Yeah, I think charter schools are terrible. I mean, it, it, she'll just open her mouth and her beliefs will come out. And suddenly you're like, got to make bet the Democrats great again. They know this and they're banking on it. That's their calculation up there on Capitol Hill for everything. You have to change the calculus. And you need the president to be the tip of the sphere to do that. We talked with Josh Hammer last hour and I, met, and I told him flat out, I don't think there would have been justice of any kind for this boy without Matt Walsh that he used and mobilized his entire platform and all of the, 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 you know, the cross-pollination of his platform with people like ours and other shows like ours to create this critical mass that brought this case to the forefront, okay? The president has the biggest platform of them all. And he needs to be willing to be a vessel for your anger in this area. Not, notice I said your anger, not his. Right now, the president is a vehicle for his anger. He's pissed at never Trumpers. He's pissed about this. He's pissed about that. Okay, that's his anger. The secret, one of the secret sauces of Donald Trump's political success is that for all of his wealth and narcissism, he really understands how to relate to the average person really well. That when you, when you heard Mitt Romney on the stump talk, who doesn't have nearly the wealth Donald Trump does, but when you heard Mitt Romney on the, on the stump talk, you were like, man, I hate that rich SOB. He, he, Mitt Romney comes across like every guy that ever fired me from a job or laid me off because of cutbacks. When you hear Donald Trump brag about dropping a deuce on a gold-plated toilet, you're like, man, I wish I want to be like that guy when I grow up. 
He needs to channel that right now. He's making this about him versus them. And they're fine with that because the only people that are really invested in that are people whose votes they can't in the end lose anyway. And there's not really outside of his rallies and people who still want to get to the bottom of Hillary's emails on Hannity tonight. There's really not a lot of people that really care about the him versus them. They care about Donald Trump when he makes it him versus us. And that's a big difference right there, gentlemen. Him versus them is a big difference than them versus us. Big difference. And he needs to make it them versus us. He needs to, he needs to be a platform that goes after the entire system. If he does, if you thought the Mueller report findings were a validation, oh, the validation you would get from that would be almost like unlike anything we have seen in the history of the U.S. presidency because there's never been this much collective frustration with the system among the American people as there is right now. And that's the stuff now where people say, like I said earlier this week, man, I can't stand that goofy bastard and I wish he'd get off of Twitter. But I, I got to admit, man, I love watching, I love watching Mitch McConnell's and Nancy Pelosi's head rot on that stake outside the Capitol Dome. I'm going to kick out of that. Those, those are the voters you get landslides from. You get validation and vindication from. Those people. He ought to be getting those people. And he needs them if he's going to save his presidency. But that's where he's going to have to make a decision. Has he really, really been the man of the people he has purported to be for you? Or has it really been a shtick in order to get you to line up with him and then he just does whatever he wants? Because see, I think it's the latter. That's why I've not, that's why I've been hesitant all these years to, to ever truly ever get on board on this with this at any level. Not because I don't care about you folks, but because I do. Because I don't want to lie to you. I don't believe he means it. I don't. But now we find out who's right, me or you. Because I think this is his only path to saving his presidency. And I think it'll be widely successful if he does it. And that is to truly go bulwark on these fools. Or bulworth, I should say, Freudian slip. To just truly, if you've ever seen that Warren Beatty movie from 25 years ago, or Injustice for All, Al Pacino, just, just open a can. Say, yeah, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I'm in. I don't, everybody thinks I'm nuts. I got nothing to lose. Everybody knows I'm nuts. Okay? Everybody knows I'm, everybody knows I'm nuts. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows I'm a nut, I'm a nut job. So I'm, I've, I've got no, I'm Donald Trump. I have no political points to lose by by essentially being a bull in a china shop here. None. I, I cannot lose any points. Everybody already knows I'm borderline nuts. You got something to lose, though. A whole bunch. You're not going home to, you know, Manhattan, half of the city being named after you. I am. You're not going home to a smoking hot wife I met doing a lesbian porn shoot, and now he's like she's like a model mom. I am. You're not. You know? You're not going home to your own plane with a toilet worth more than your D.C. brownstone. I am. You're not. Okay, so if you all want to do this, cool, let's do it. That's what he needs to do. That is not what they're doing. And if they believe that the Republicans are not useful assets because they're useless, they're, they've already lost the argument then, and we can't help them. You can't help them. You have to begin from the premise that they're treacherous. And the uselessness is from the treachery. 
meaning that because they're useless, they're not treacherous. No, they're not dumb. They're not stupid. No, 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 no. That's a lie. You're lying to yourself. You're the you're the you're you're like Jennifer Aniston wondering maybe if I was prettier, Brad Pitt would not have cheated on me. You're Jennifer freaking Aniston. How much prettier do you need to be, do you think? Okay? No. No, no, no. They're treacherous, which is why they're useless. And there's a massive paradigm shift that goes on there. Now, here's the problem the president will have. There's going to be all kinds of people in his political sphere that need to do business with these Republicans after Donald Trump is gone. And that's why they're going to tell him not to go there. That's why they're going to tell him, don't burn it down. Don't follow your instincts there. Don't do it. Don't do it. And it won't be because instincts are wrong. They're right on the money. It'll be because they're concerned about their own backsides when he can't write them a check any longer. It's what happened to Rick Santorum in, in 20, 2012 when he went out there and said in, before the Wisconsin primary, hey, if, if you guys nominate Mitt Romney, he can't win. Why don't we stop lying to ourselves? We know he can't win. Our best argument against the Obama presidency is Obamacare. If you nominate Mitt Romney, we take our best argument off the table against a sitting president. Did he turn out to be proven correct about that? Yeah. Yes, he did. He was out of the race 72 hours later or something after he said it, though. Why? Because the people on his own staff that, are, that, know, that already know Rick Santorum's not going to be the nominee, they were already on the phone making calls, guys. In fact, the first reach-out call I got to join with the campaign after Romney became the nominee was from the former faith outreach leader for the Rick Santorum campaign. That was the first call I got. So when the team around you, you when you can't provide their livelihoods anymore, they're going to start looking out for themselves. Wait, I can't believe I need to say this to Donald Trump, but dude, you need to look out for yourself. These people are not your, dude, you ever watch, I know you've seen 48 Hours, Don. We ain't partners, we ain't brothers, and we ain't friends. These people don't care about you. They're just taking a paycheck. And that son-in-law you have is beyond worthless. He's only wrong about everything. He's got all the wrongs. All the wrongs. He's Tom Hayden. When right now you need to be Michael Corleone. If this, if this movie ends with, in any other way other than you're at a grandkid's christening, and there's a, there's a high body count of people losing their, losing their ass and getting exposed, I think you're going to be out. Because they want you out. They want you gone. And I'm not talking about the Democrats, by the way. I'm talking about the Republicans. They want you out. Mitch McConnell's life gets so much easier and simpler from the moment you're out of the White House, and then increasingly so every moment after that. Any thoughts on that before we move on to Feedback Friday? I do, and Aaron does as well. Yeah, go, go ahead, Todd. Well, this is not in any way a man-for-man -man analogy because your heads will explode. But in terms of the broader theme, Civil War. The American people here are Abraham Lincoln. And they've tried and tried and tried through different candidates, both for president and for Congress for decades now to find the generals they need. Lincoln started with McClellan and I, all the names down the many, many, many names. And they kept 
doing being too smart by half or being afraid and this was a war and this was a war for the soul of the nation and finally lincoln fell upon uh, a guy who at the beginning was just back into this military thing to basically reform his life and not be a drunk anymore named ulysses s grant and his one of his right hand men was this kind of crazy guy named sherman and at the end he went to them because quote he fights and that took some ugliness and some darkness and burning georgia to the ground but the union was saved donald trump are you gonna fight because the american people ultimately turned to you at the end of the day after being exhausted by everything else said maybe this guy will actually all warts and all maybe he'll fight so far, to quote Vasily from uh, my voice favorite movie, The Princess Pride, we're waiting any time now. See, he thinks he's fighting, though, because he's tweeting and kvetching and, and bitching and moaning. Okay? That, he thinks he's fighting. John Barron is fighting. John Barron is. President Trump needs to fight. This is not a... This is not... As simple, this is not, I throw out a tweet and kvetch and, and my, my, my throng applauds me. Because Mr. President, here's the truth. The vast majority of that throng, at this time next year, if you're gone and Mike Pence is president, they're going to be applauding him too. Okay? So John Barron is fighting. But the president of the United States actually needs to fight. Aaron, your thoughts? So there was something earlier this week, the transgender so-called, the dude uh, who feels pretty, who won the Women's Cycling World Cup. He did that interview with Sky News. And towards the end of the interview, he said, and I'm going to quote as best as I can, but this is a paraphrase, transgenders in sport, in women's sport, is not unfair. It is fairness incarnate because it's a proxy for all of the other so-called mm -hmm. inclusion across the board. Mm -hmm. This is a fundamental reason why from an actual political action and a, a, a just a, a tactic outlook, why progressives win all of the time. And I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about progressives, those who either sprint or slouch towards Gomorrah. Because we see Donald Trump uh, not as a proxy for the culture of war. We see him as the war itself. What do you think of Donald Trump? I like him. You need to like him more. He is the war. We, and if we saw him as the proxy for a culture of war, he would be exponentially more effective yep. in every area of yep. his presidency than he is right now. But because we see him as the war itself, he is, he is just basking in getting what he wants as a narcissist, which is attention all the time and his name being spoken all the time. So that's one thing. That, that, that's one kind of, uh, again, that, that, that striking difference, the left versus the right, yep. or what's left of America, they see these battles as proxies for a, a larger battle. We just see the, see the battle as the battle itself. That is the war. That is the war right there. I want to put you on the spot here real quick, though, sure. if I can. You know, I love that. Um, if uh, if you were a, a Vegas odds maker and removed versus not removed were a football game, what would be the point spread for uh, not removed? I would say the point spread right now is 
I'll give him three points for home field advantage because his party is in charge of the Senate. Okay. And then I would say he's maybe a five or six point favorite is what I would say. Not for not removed for not removed. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's lower than what I thought it would be. Yeah. I, I think it's because I disagree with a lot of people just because I've, I've run into these senators. I've primaried, been a part of primarying them. I, I know how they think and they hate us, man. They freaking hate people like us. See, the distinction, Aaron, you just defined is, is exactly, is, is the bottom line of all of this. You see Donald Trump as your proxy. He needs to fight as if he sees that. And not you're his proxy, the other way around. Because that's how he's fighting it right now. You're his proxy. Well, I'll bring all these angry people. No, you won't. Man, do you know why there's only one March to Life every year? Because we couldn't do six of these. Our people have jobs. Just, there's a study out today. Josh's uh, website, The Daily Wire, has a story about, there's a study today, the more conservative you are, the, the more you tend to be de-radicalized. Because the things conservatism values and cherishes in and of themselves by their very essence are not radical. It's very difficult to radicalize conservatives for a long period of time. You've heard me say, Todd, when I've, when, when I've been on the phone quietly with clients or allies or even here on the air, our people will do a D-Day like one-time thing. Right? You've heard me use sure. this analogy. They will not island hop. They won't do that. They'll drop a, they'll drop a neutron bomb, but they won't go island. Uh, they'll, 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 they'll dunk on Hiroshima, but they will not go island to island, politically speaking here. Our people just have lives. They can't afford to do this. I remember we had the marriage battle here in our state legislature 10 years ago, and I had, I had people I helped that wouldn't be in the legislature without me, frankly. And I asked them, why are you going squishy on us right now? And, 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 they described a scenario where a group like the family leader here that, you know, that Bobby Interplatz is a part of, and we rent space from them. They would go down to the state house, man, like once a day, once, once for a year and 3000 people would show up, which is a lot for a rally in Iowa. I mean, the, 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 oh, court, yeah. the courtyard out Huge. there in front of the state house in January where it's freezing cold packed to the gills. The other side, the rainbow jihad couldn't do that. See, we can do a Chick-fil-A day. Did you know they tried to counter our Chick-fil-A day? Did you know that? Yeah. They tried to do a counter to that and it drew flies. But here's what they do. They can't get 3,000 people to show up outside the state house to say, yes, castrate kids, yes. Okay? They can get two or three people, though, to come to the state house every day to say it. Every day they're there. And they're just wearing, wearing you down every single day. Every day. And that's what they do. Our people need a mass mobilization. Because they have to go back to their lives. Politics is not their life. That part, it's not inherent to their way of life. They do it almost out of spite because they feel like they have to. So if he believes that you're his proxy, he's going to lose. But if he becomes your proxy, I think not only does he win this, he wins it resoundingly. And I think you're talking about he could potentially win an election next year as large as any Republican in today's polarized electoral college map would make possible. But he has to make that decision first. You cannot make it for him. He has to make that decision first. He has to see the office as something bigger than himself and truly show that he really does mean it when he says he represents everyday Americans. He's got to actively do that in his strategy and messaging. And if he does, I think you'll be shocked to see the amount of people that will rally behind him. Because whatever they think about Donald Trump, they don't think he wrecked the system. 
they think the system is wrecked and they hate it. And if he's willing to be the Samson here that plunges the, the pillars of Dagon fish down, face down into the dirt, they'll sign up for it. But he's got to show he's the Samson that does that, not just the Samson that goes to the Canaanite brothel when it suits him. If you're one of millions of Americans struggling with chronic pain that comes from too much inflammation in the body, Relief might just be one website click away. It's called Relief Factor. I use this product on a daily basis and absolutely swear by it. What I love about it the most, 100% drug-free, even though it was made by physicians who can prescribe drugs. And why is that key? Because, hey, if you've got an injury or an illness, go get professional medical care like the physicians that created Relief factor. But if, if we're dealing with aches and pains and joints and age and post-workout recoveries and soreness and weekend warrior kind of stuff, you know, your body was made to push back on inflammation if you treat it right. And that's where Relief Factor comes in with its four key natural ingredients that are designed to help your body kick in its ability to push back against inflammation. They're so confident in this product. And as a daily user, I, I agree that they ought to be. They're so confident in this product. They offer it to you right now for three weeks for a dollar a day. It's called the starter kit just to get you started, just to see if you get the results that they think you're going to get. And because if you do, you're going to come back for more. Why not call their bluff for a dollar a day? See what do you have to lose? Except maybe, finally, hopefully, the pain. Go to relieffactor.com to get the starter kit. That's relieffactor.com. One final thing on this. I, I, I think it's really key for a guy like Trump. You got to have somebody in his circle that tells him things like this. And I just, knowing some of the people that are there and knowing of them, I should say better, I just don't know who that is. I don't, I don't know who that is. And. Which probably says he doesn't want to hear it and for that very be, long. And I don't know him well enough to know that, but you could, that's not an unfair surmising that you made, right? We have a three yeah. year sample now. Yeah, that, that could be part of it as well, you know? And I understand the temptation to not want to hear it, which is specifically why, you know, I've had two teams work with me here on this show since it began. You guys are the second team. And both teams were both told, if you disagree, speak up. If you think I'm wrong, say so. You know, I mean, if I, if I can't answer your objections, what are the chances and odds I'm going to go out there and actually convert the people that don't already agree with us on what we think and believe, right? Yep. And I, that's, I think that's the concern is somewhere in President Trump's inner circle, we're heading to Christmas season here soon. Someone in his inner circle has got to be like the, the guy in Miracle on 34th Street in the judges' chambers, you know, who just behind closed doors, you know, because he cares about him, wants to see him be successful, has permission to give him the what's up. And every man in, in all leadership positions needs that, regardless of their personas. I just don't know who that is in Trump's or, you know, orbit. And it may be that he's not empowered or given permission for somebody to be that person. More in a moment. <laughs> Realestateagentsitrust.com was started because there's so much frustration with buying or selling a home these days. No urgency, no return calls, no real marketing. The answer is always, hey, we'll call you. 
when we find a home in your price range or let's do another open house. Well, real estate agents I trust knew there had to be a better way and learned there's three keys to ensure success with your biggest investments. Somebody who uh, has an understanding of the complicated process of buying, selling the real estate market, and therefore they have a proven and vetted track record of success in that market. Someone who also understands that market value for a home needs to be done by more than just an algorithm. It takes years of expertise to evaluate your market and to price or sell a home effectively requires, again, that kind of fully vetted track record. And then thirdly, someone who understands what it means to have professional courtesy, to return calls, messages, text messages, et cetera. All right, if you want an agent that checks all three of those boxes, you know, there's other referral services out there and what they're about is finding clients or helping clients find agents. What realestateagentsitrust.com is about is finding an agent worthy of having you for a client. So if you want to find a real estate agent that you can trust, just go to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com is that site, realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get some feedback Friday. I'm going to share this email with no commentary from us, but I think it kind of puts a bow on the video game as a video game as a profession conversation. Mm. And, and, and I want to be as fair as I possibly can. It's from you guys' perspective. Okay. So I'm just going to let it speak for itself. While I agree with you that any human activity, Steve, can become an idol, not all idols are created equally. In previous eras where a much larger portion of American young men idolized and emulated athletes, there was a vast pool of men who were physically capable of taking up arms in defense of the nation if necessary. Today, that pool of physically fit manpower is rapidly shrinking. As an Army infantry officer with 17 years of service, I've personally witnessed a steady decline in the physical capability of our young recruits. When I joined the Army in 02, it was virtually unheard of for soldiers in their teens and 20s to have difficulty passing the army physical fitness test now it is common gaming cannot be entirely blamed for america's increasingly sedentary culture but it is a significant factor among the young men i would classify half or more of the young men in my church youth group and the young men in the military in my military unit as being gaming addicts in the army older soldiers like myself joke about call of duty recruits young men who joined the military because they thought the military looked cool in video games these recruits are often disappointed that the machine guns are heavy you don't get unlimited ammo and that it takes a lot of physical training to be able to run any significant distance in a full kit they are even more disappointed that call of duty did not include those parts of the mission where you drive for hours or pull security in the in, in the prone and do nothing but stare into the darkness trying to stay awake Professional gaming only provides further incentive to worship an idol with little or no residual benefit to the defense of Western civilization. In moderation, it is no more dangerous than Netflix or any other sedentary activity, but among the idols of the screen, it is among the most addicting and the most useless. One ISIS propaganda video that got passed around the army when ISIS was fairly new started by showing American kids playing Call of Duty, then rapidly switching to Muslim kids playing Call of Duty with real rifles and grenades. It was effective propaganda that stung because it contained an all-too-real element of truth. Cultural emasculation is the highest form of disarmament. Gaming alone will not be the death of the West, but it is among the, it is among the emasculating addictions that may one day render us defenseless. That is from David Wormley, and I thought it was a worthwhile perspective, so I wanted to share it as putting a bow on that debate. Let's go to Michael, who bills himself as the last constitution lover in New Jersey. He says, my question is simply complicated. How many police officers, sheriffs and soldiers, officers, et cetera, 
or people in the military would actually carry out orders to confiscate weapons from American citizens if the Warren or Rourke's of the world signed an executive order or there was even a bill. How many would rebel or refuse to carry out such orders? Michael, you're asking the final question. That's the that's 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 Jeopardy's final question. If we were doing American exceptionalism Jeopardy, what you asked, Michael, is the final question. Because we are not a nation of laws. We are a nation of political will. Judges, politicians, Beto O'Rourke cannot, on his own, go house to house and confiscate the guns. He's going to need infrastructure to pull that off. The case down in Texas. The mother cannot, even though she's even a physician, amazingly, she cannot castrate her son herself. She's going to need infrastructure to pull it off. Where does that infrastructure come from? I talked about this last year with the Alfie Evans case in, in, in the UK. No one resigned. No one refused to no one refused to, to execute that child. Nobody did. Everybody signed on. Nobody said, I, in good conscience, I can't do that. When we had the, the most contentious government shutdown in the Obama years, and it was the one where Obama tried to, to really pour it on by closing down the monuments in D.C. Do you guys remember that one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And the orange cones at the Vietnam Vet Memorial and stuff like that. Okay. And then they called people in, security people on furlough. They called them in to enforce those closures. Now, if you've never been to D.C., you need to know those monuments are open and available 24-7. You can go walk, you can go get it, you can go to the Lincoln Memorial and get a selfie at 3 a.m. if you want. I mean, if you're in D.C. and you can't sleep, you can go out there at four in the morning and see, you know, if your uncle or grandpa so-and-so's name is on the Vietnam War Memorial. Those memorials are open all the time, year-round. There was no need to close them. This was done punitively to send you a message. You can't live without government. That's what it was done for. That's why Obama did it. Well, why would anybody take a paycheck to come off of a furlough and tell a Vietnam vet in a wheelchair, no, you can't go and look at your name and and mourn for your buddies? What kind of human being does that? I'll tell you what kind who does it. In a different era and in another context, the same kind of person who says, I was just following orders at Nuremberg. And no, I'm not being egregiously crazy when I say that. That's the same mindset. I, I, I mean, I'm just following orders. What was I supposed to do? That's what they told me to do. I got to earn a living. For years, folks have been taking jobs from government that are not necessary. Contracting jobs that are really just union payoff scams, not necessary. Repaving lots and roads while the same stretch on the most traveled highway in American in America, Interstate 80 remains essentially a test of the suspension and um, an alignment of your automobile if you attempt to drive it. Why? Because these they're not these are welfare state benefits, and so you take that job. I know you got to get paid right now. You got bills to pay right now, but understand that 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 job is is robbing your grandchildren of their own wealth and productivity. It's that kind of mindset. And that's, in the end, that's what it would take to pull this off. Who would do that? Indeed. 
do your do your sheriffs take an oath of office to the Constitution, so help me God, or do they take it to whatever the government tells me to do, I have to do. I got to follow orders here. What is the law? Where does the law come from? How do we negotiate conflicts of the law? Are some laws higher than others? Are you a law enforcement officer or are you a bureaucrat? With a gun and a badge. Which is it? Because that's, that's where this is ultimately going to go. This, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's why I said on Twitter, I invited that father. If somebody knows him, DM me. I'll put him in my home with his son. I'll give him sanctuary. And I've got a fairly substantially large national media platform. I'll put you on camera if you want to come to my home or my studio and arrest him for protecting his son from a castration. You sure that's the headline you want? Also, what was your response to the gag order? Defy it. Exactly. Just defy it. You know what I mean? What are they going to do? Arrest me, arrest me for defending my son? Good. That'll just give me even more media attention than... Victimology is the most effective currency in this yes. culture. Yes. And if you're the victim, you know, you're sitting in a jail cell somewhere to protect your kid, I'd say that plays pretty well. No doubt it does. That's why they were never going to do it. Because they're afraid of that backlash. What do you think? Without, without even... Without, even looking at the judge's background, think the odds are higher or lower that she would have ruled for the father's interest in the boy's, in the boy's gender with or without all the media attention. I think we all know the answer to that. Now, maybe she still would have anyway. We don't know that, but it certainly didn't make the odds lower. I think we know no, that, right? No, It certainly didn't make the odds lower. So, yes, make people feel the consequences for their totalitarianism. Do not comply with these things. And I've done this in my own life. When, when I worked at the Des Moines Register, there were mandatory sensitivity training sessions. How many of them? And I wasn't even a Christian then. I didn't even have an understanding of, the, I didn't know what the doctrine of the lesser magistrate was. I couldn't spell magistrate without spell check. How many of those sessions, though, do you think I attended? Just take a random guess. Well, how many? How many do you think I went to? Throw a number out there. Guess low, though. I'd, I'd urge you to guess low. Aaron, give it a shot. Um, vegan, pansexual, lizard person. Yes, I never met him because I never went. I never went. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that, but thank you. Nope. Did I just want Bartleby the Scribner? I would prefer not to. No, is my answer. When I worked at Salem, they wanted me to have mandatory uh, teleconferences with Kevin McCarthy. So he could essentially, because I was a show host on the network, so I, they, he could, and essentially it was to give me talking points to say on the air. That's where we were before we came over here. How many of those calls do you think you were there, Todd? How many, how many times did we join those calls? Blessedly, none that I'm aware the of. The answer is zero. I, I, I was never going to. Never. Not happening. You're welcome to fire me. And I, I understand there's consequences for actions. You do what you're going to, you have to do, because I'm going to do what I have to. Know what I'm saying? I'm going to do what I got to do. So you feel free to do what you want. I grew up, I grew up with a bully. And here's, here's the good thing about getting beaten as a child. If there is a good thing. You learn that the fear of being struck is far worse than the pain that comes from actually being hit. It's the fear that is crippling. It is the fear of it that is paralyzing. 
But after a while, you've, you know, hits you with the belt buckle so many times, whoops your ass so many times, spits his beer in your face so many times, blows his joint out in your face so many times. You know, the, after a while, you're like, is that really all you got? Because I'm not 11 anymore. I'm a man now and I can lift what you weigh. So do you have another, do you have more? I hope you got more than that. Do you have more than that? No, because I'm not afraid anymore. The fear is what's crippling. So I'm going to call your bluff and let's see what you got. Maybe you can beat my ass. I'm not the toughest guy in the neighborhood, that's for sure. But I'm going to make you show me. Okay, you're going to have to show me you can. I'm not just going to give you the W. You're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to come and take it. Now, that is how you get a free country. That's how you keep one. Lose that instinct, that's how you're going to lose one. How many law enforcement officers really want to be the guy who's in the who's 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 on Fox News tonight for shooting a law-abiding gun owner in his home because he didn't give up his AR-15? I don't know what the answer is. I'm guessing it's not many. But call their bluff and let's find out. Are you sure you want that? You sure about that? Because I'm going to make you answer the question. The challenges around here don't always have to be one-sided. It doesn't always have to be you putting me on the spot. Okay. Uh, we're going to put the spotlight back on you. Sure you want to enforce these things? You want to go through the process of doing that? You want the collateral damage of that? Because I can be stubborn too. I can dig in my heels too. We just walk away with our feet shuffling our feet and our heads down. And then the bully comes back. I've been hit by bullies. I was raised by one. I've been in plenty of fights I lost growing up. You know what? It doesn't suck nearly as much as letting them punk you does. That's what hurts. I let one bully punk me once. I let him intimidate me once. And he told me if I didn't kiss his shoe, he was going to beat me up. And, I, and to this day, if you were to ask me one of the three or four regrets of my life, it's this moment. I don't remember how old I was, man, 11, 12. It's funny now. He looked me up the other day. He's totally changed his life around. He's like a pastor now. Actually, the other day, it was like a year ago. Heard about my show. <laughs> I don't That's fault weird. him. We were kids, man. We were kids, okay? That's not the point. It's not about him. It's about me. And I, and I did it because I was afraid. I was afraid to stand up for myself. I've never made that mistake again the rest of my life. Ever. And I'll never make it again the rest of my life, no matter the cost. That does not mean I have not lost. Oh, I have lost plenty standing up for myself. How do you think I ended up working at, we've had three sports radio stations in the history of Des Moines. I ended up working at all three. How do you think that happened? <laughs> right? Sometimes I stood up for myself and I lost. But the pain of losing standing up for yourself is here. The eternal shame that goes along with letting your ass get punked like a bitch way up here. And it's not even close. And I'll never, ever experience that ever again 
ever. Now, I've got an act of faith in my life. Now, I use that most of the time, not always, but for far more definable and deserving causes. And we need more of that courage of conviction collectively. Come and take my kid. I dare you. I dare you. Come and take my gun. I dare you. You may get it. You may win. Just know, though, not going out without a fight. So I, I'm, I'm willing to fight. Are you? There's a fight you want to have. Because we're going to have one. With their, with, with, what bullies and what tyrants need is compliance. You know who likes to fight least of all? The bully. That's why they're bullying you, so they don't ever have to. And the question that Michael in New Jersey asked is the, is, the, is the final Jeopardy question of American exceptionalism. It's the last line here about whether we're going to pass this on to the next generation or not. Is will you cut and run or will you say, why the hell am I letting Beta or Work determine whether my church gets taxed or not? I dunked on that kid in elementary school. Get your ass out of here, dude. Who the hell are you? Get out. Let me introduce you to my friends. Let's how the founding fathers rolled. Let me introduce you to my friends. Tar and Feather. Tar and Feather. Meet Beta O'Rourke. Tar and Feather. Meet Elizabeth Warren. Tar and Feather. Meet this doctor mom in Texas who wants to castrate her kid. That's how they rolled. How did it work? Well, for all of their magnitudes of issues and peccadilloes and blind spots and hypocrisies, it worked in that it gave us the greatest experiment in ongoing human freedom in the history of this species since the third chapter of Genesis. That's a pretty good legacy, not without its faults, but in the grand scheme of things, it worked. Well, if you wanted to continue to work, it's going to take no less than that. No less than that. I, I don't care that my lefty aunt in Vermont put a nasty Facebook message out there because I told them you're not taking my, my daughter's track medal away to give it to a guy. Why do I care? What, what, so what? So freaking what? Why do I care? Why do I care what the local news has, has depicted me as the town idiot? No one watches the local news. Why do I care? Most of the stuff they threaten you with is beyond worthless. Worthless. Stop letting them threaten you with it. If they want to fight, give them one. That's my version of Aaron's don't drive in a ditch. There you go. Everybody have a great weekend. We're going to stick around, do a little overtime, best and worst of the week. For the rest of you, we are back at it again on Monday, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.